In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies. It is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, Pope Francis was recently quoted as saying that there is no hell. This would be a reversal of 2,000 years of church doctrine. We'll discuss the Pope's statement, whether there really is a hell, where it might be located, what it's like, and once in hell, is there any escape? Anybody that has left this dimension of reality, the one that you and I are living and talking in right now, through what we call the veil of death, you cannot come back to this dimension of reality until the very end when you are given a glorified body and Jesus returns and sets up his kingdom on the face of the earth. This is what the Bible says. This podcast is brought to you by BrightBiz. If you own a business or you've dreamed of starting one, there's a helpful free guide with 36 business power tools proven to boost sales, increase income, simplify your life, and give you better results with less effort. Best of all, this business toolbox is yours absolutely free. And these are useful online tools that make doing almost anything a lot easier. Just visit freebusinesstoolbox.com to grab your copy. I know there are a lot of websites out there that offer you a special deal on something, but then they stick you in some recurring program. But this isn't like that. There's no hidden thing to try. BrightBiz is giving away this guide free of charge as a means of putting their best foot forward. But all good things must come to an end, so don't wait. Grab your free guide today. Visit freebusinesstoolbox.com. Freebusinesstoolbox.com. That's freebusinesstoolbox.com. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. 
exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites, revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. Happy bright Monday to my Orthodox listeners. My word, what is with this weather? We're supposed to be into the spring weather by now. We had 90 kilometer winds the last couple of days, and then it dipped below freezing. What is it Mark Twain said? Go to heaven for the climate, but go to hell for the company. There are no doubt a lot of interesting people in hell, although Shakespeare said hell is completely empty because the devils are all here. A couple of weeks ago, in the midst of its holiest week of the year, the Catholic Church was plunged into drama. The controversy started when news broke that Pope Francis allegedly claimed that hell does not exist. Now, the Pope is more liberal than his predecessors and has previously upset hardline traditionalists with his proclamations, but this would be a radical departure uh, from Catholic doctrine. There's a lot going on here, so let's unpack it. Carl Gallups is the longtime senior pastor of Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in Florida. He's the author of a number of bestsellers, including Magic Man in the Sky, Final Warning, Be Thou Prepared, When the Lion Roars, and Gods and Thrones. Additionally, he's a conference leader, evangelist, and Christian media icon, and also one of the founders of the video teaching material to the world-famous P.P. Simmons YouTube Ministry and Biblical Apologetics Channel. He's a graduate of Florida State University and the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. Hey, Carl Gallups, how are you? I'm doing great, Richard Serrett. How are you, my friend? Just wonderful, wonderful. I trust you had a blessed Easter. I did, I did. We had an amazing uh, Resurrection Sunday celebration, and uh, the Lord just moved powerfully in a sweet, sweet, powerful service. And yeah, it was it was amazing. Thanks for asking me. And by the way, thanks for having me on today. This is this is great. I'm I'm looking forward to this. Well, uh, I needed to get you on fast because there's some confusion swirling around the Vatican. That seems to happen a lot these yeah. days. First, it was reported by an Italian daily newspaper that quoted Pope Francis. Francis is saying that there is no hell, uh, yes. which would would basically be a complete reversal in about 2,000 years of church teachings. And then we were, were led to understand that maybe he wasn't accurately quoted. Regardless, it's always a good time to talk about hell. And, and um, so I thought we'd get you on and address it anyway. First of all, have yeah. you been able to, to figure out what he said and what he didn't say? Well, listen, thank you for starting that way because I do I do want to give what I think is the uh, the most balanced understanding of this based upon the information we have. Here's the way I understand it and here's my assessment of it. And of course, brother, I mean if you if you disagree with anything I say or if you know something that I don't know, please correct me, change it, etc. But but you're right. Uh it, it was first reported in an Italian publication called La Repubblica and 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 the 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 editor and the writer of that article was a gentleman by the name is a gentleman by the name of Eugenio Scalfari. Uh, do you like my Italian accent? Wonderful, Scalfari. spot on. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Scalfari. Well, I speak Spanish, so you know it's it's very similar. But but anyway, um, yeah. So uh, but here's the thing. I'm reading the CNS uh, news. I think that's ChristianNewsService.com, uh, but it but it came from a translation of this La Repubblica. Uh, but the bottom line is. What we discover is that this 
uh, writer, the editor of this publication, is an atheist, a staunch atheist, but he is, according to this, a longtime friend of Pope Francis, who over the years they have often met privately, sometimes for on-the-record interviews. This one, it uh, the Vatican is saying, was supposed to have been an off-the-record interview. Uh, excuse me, not interview, but just a meeting. I don't know, coffee, tea, good friends, okay? Well, you know, some people have a problem when they read that saying, well, the Pope shouldn't be good friends with an atheist. Well, look, I know there's a balance to this. Um, we Listen, I have friends who are atheist, but they are not people that I immerse my life in. I don't go out to eat with them every week and that kind of thing, but I am friendly to them and they're friendly to me. I know their name. They know my name. Yeah, we'll sit down and have a cup of coffee. I'll see them in town, speak to them, etc. So I, I, I get, you know, Christians, of course, we're, we're not haters, those of us that really love the Lord. Um, and, and we will have friends and be friendly to people who are unbelievers. I mean, how else are we going to lead unbelievers to truth? So I don't really have a problem with him being a longtime friend of the Pope. Who knows? But the Pope has maybe been working on this guy all of these years to bring him to Christ. Okay, so I cut him some slack there. The thing is, they were meeting uh, privately, and the Pope was bearing his heart and his soul again with this guy, which I get that. But, you know, you would think somebody as powerful and popular and well-known as the Pope and the whole Roman Catholic system and the Vatican, that there would be at least a witness or at least some kind of recording. I mean, when the president is in his Oval Office talk, I don't care who he's talking to, that conversation's being recorded because of stuff just like this, because it becomes a he said, he said, or a he said, she said. And so what happened was, according to this report, that these guys guys met, the atheist and the pope, uh, it was supposed to be off record, uh, the, apparently there were no witnesses, no recordings, and the next thing you know, this guy publishes his uh, periodical, his magazine, whatever it is, his newspaper, and claims in there that the pope said, quote, there is no hell, there is only the disappearance of sinful souls, end quote. In other words, just total annihilation. Well, you and I know, and you just mentioned that, Richard, that that's not what Jesus teaches, that's not what the Bible teaches, that's that's not what the Roman Catholic Church has taught all of these years. It's certainly, and by the way, it's not what this pope has preached on and taught before. There are records of articles he's been involved in, interviews he's been involved in, and sermons he has preached out of his own mouth extolling the truth of the presence of hell and the fact that uh, even unbelievers live forever but outside and separated from the presence of God. So, as you know, Richard, and maybe some of your listeners don't know it, so it's important, but what happened was soon after this article was out, very soon after it was translated, very soon after it was picked up by, you know, Christian sites and mainstream media sites. I mean, the headlines, Pope says there is no hell. Oh, my gosh. And then, of course, you had this guy's translated, this atheist translated document. So so the Vatican came out and they had a statement. Now, this is interesting because the Vatican statement uh, basically said that the Pope didn't say this. However, the Vatican statement has since been parsed by experts, you know, journalists and theologians, and they say, a lot of people are saying, you know, this statement is filled with double talk. It doesn't really actually say 
black and white. The Pope did not say there is no hell. He did not say that. So here's what the Vatican said. Quote, the Holy Father Francis recently received the founder of the newspaper La Repubblica in a private meeting on the occasion of Easter without, however, giving him any interviews. What is reported by the author in today's article is the result of his reconstruction in which the textual words pronounced by the Pope are not quoted. That's a lot of doublespeak, mm-hmm. Richard. What, and then it goes on to say, no quotation of the aforementioned article must therefore be considered as a fateful transcription of the words of the Holy Father. Okay, at first read, that sounds pretty good until you read it again and you see the doublespeak and the fact that there's not a single sentence in there that says, you know what, the Pope never said this, he has never said this, he does not believe this, this is an absolute fabrication. There's nothing that says that. On top of that, what really disturbs me the most, Richard, is the Pope himself has not denied it Ah, publicly yet that I'm aware of. Well, there seems to be, uh, and this is often the case in politics as well, that there is a private uh, I guess in this case, a private pope and a public pope, although there's not supposed to be. Uh, but it, right. he 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 may hold certain views in private that he does not as that he does not espouse uh, in in public. Be that as it may, it's it's an interesting discussion. Yes, it is to talk about uh, hell and the the teachings of the church, capital C church, as in the Catholic Church in this case. Uh, is there any difference between the Catholic view of hell, and let's say the the Protestant view of hell? Well, you know, Richard, that's an excellent question. Um, I do know the Catholic view uh, has has what they call different levels of purgatory. Purgatory itself is not necessarily equivalent to hell as the Bible presents it, but they have this belief in theology, and it and it basically comes from apocryphal writings and not from the 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 canonized books of the Bible that we know, Genesis through Revelation, and all that that encompasses. But from uh, sp- uh, extra writings, spurious writings, apocryphal writings, there's this uh, idea of a purgatory. And basically, that that means a holding place that has different. Uh, hold on, uh, just a minute. I've got. I forgot to turn my phone off. I'm no so worries. sorry, but That's it's right. but it's it's off now. Yeah, I'm usually really good. But I messed up that time. <laughs> but but anyway, uh, the bottom line is that um, the the Catholic Church teaches that there's various levels of of a holding place, and 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 then they go on to teach about indulgences, and that you can literally. And I, I'm not trying to um, uh, oversimplify this for Catholic people who are listening, and and many of them love Jesus as much as I do, and so I, I'm not disparaging them, but I'm just answering your question through the system of indulgences and prayers that that people can literally be moved through the levels of purgatory based upon the prayers and indulgences that are done on their behalf while they're in holding waiting the final judgment well but nothing like that is taught in what you and I know as the scriptures the canonized form of, of, of the Bible however here's something that's interesting a lot of even even uh, evangelical uh, Christians, Protestants, and conservative evangelicals, a lot of them don't understand this Bible truth that I'm getting ready to speak of next. And that is, sometimes people confuse the word hell and Hades. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, and there is a difference, and th- this can be a little confusing for folks, so I'm going to make this super simple, and uh, I know your audience is brilliant, so I'm really I'm not trying to simplify it for yes, their sake. They I'm are. Just saying, yes, they are. Yes, they absolutely are. And but but I, I want to make this simple. So if somebody has never heard this before, I, I want them to really get this because this is absolute biblical and Greek language and Hebrew language truth. Um, the Greek word Hades is equivalent to the Hebrew word Sheol. Now, both of those words literally and only mean in, in their basic translation, the realm of the dead. Now, now. What that means is when a person leaves this dimension of physical earthly life, the Word of God teaches that they are still alive. And, and by the way, that kind of matches up to the first law of thermodynamics, that nothing ever ceases to exist. It only exists in a different form. That's a whole other thing. But, but the Bible teaches that, um, that, that when a person leaves this earthly realm, you, you are alive. You do not die, but but where you spend and and you are assured of eternal life regardless of what you do with Jesus Christ but where you spend eternal life depends upon whether you have bowed your knee to Jesus Christ as lord so sheol just means all right if if you've if you've left this earthly life then you are in another dimension of reality uh, you are in the realm of what we call the dead, but see, sometimes we we identify the term dead with ceasing to exist, but that's not the truth. You exist, and you are alive, but you are not in this realm now, okay? So, so, so in Sheol, or in Hades, is hell, which is a different word, which means a prison holding place for those who have rejected God. They've rejected God's word. They've rejected God's will and his ways. They've rejected God's offer of salvation in Jesus Christ. And that's why in Revelation 20, when it speaks of the final great white throne of judgment, it says death and hell gave up the dead that were in them, and they were brought before the throne, and they were shown that their names are not in the book of life. And then they were thrown into the lake of fire of eternal torment. Now, that's what Revelation says. So so what we have, and, and by the way, Jesus gave the illustration of the rich man and Lazarus. Yes. Now, they were both in Sheol or Hades, but they were in two separate places. The rich man was in hell. He was in prison, and he was in torment, and he knew the coming judgment was on its way. He asked Abraham, please go tell my brothers. Now, but in the meantime, he was also aware that Lazarus was in paradise. He was in Abraham's bosom, which is a Jewish term for paradise, or in the in the presence of God in heaven, if you will. And so, and Abraham told the rich man, "But there is a great chasm between us, and you, one can't come from one to the other." So, see, even Jesus expressed this great biblical truth by saying, "Look, the rich man and Lazarus were both." dead as far as this earthly realm goes. They left this physical realm of this dimension, and they were in now Hades, Greek, Sheol, Hebrew, the realm of another dimension, the realm of the afterlife, the realm of death. But it sounds like, sorry, excuse me, but it sounds like in Hades, it sounds like although there is this chasm between them, it sounds almost like hell or this holding prison is in on the same plane, can I say, as paradise? 
One could look across the chasm and see those in paradise, and they can look across and see those in the lake of fire. You know what, brother? We can only speculate however we can biblically speculate, because Jesus gave us this understanding. Some people say that's a parable, but it doesn't match, it does not match the form of all of his other parables. First of all, in this parable, he gives the name, Lazarus. He speaks of the rich man, but is kind and doesn't give his name, but but is he just Jesus teaches this as though this is just theological solid truth there's nothing parabolic about this so but from what he tells us and from other scriptural hints it appears now i'm just i'm just speculating but i think it's biblical speculation richard and thank you for asking this question because a lot of people ask it i i'm speculating based upon what jesus said and other scriptural hints that when you are in the holding place in prison You are aware, you are consciously aware of your reality, of your existence. You are existing physically, but in another dimension. And you are also aware of what you have missed by not doing it God's way. And you apparently are also aware of the eternal bliss of those that did do it God's way. Now, here's here's a parable. Here's an illustration I can use to help people wrap their minds around this. Sometimes people say, well, a loving God wouldn't create a hell. But But wait a minute. Do we not in our own cultures, even in the most civilized cultures, do we not have prisons and jails? Of course we do. Why do we do that? Because we're unloving? No, we do that because those are places where people who refuse to obey society's laws, people who are murderers and robbers and rapists and thieves and drug dealers, and, you know, we put them separate from the rest of society. So, you know, supposedly this is how it happens. Sure. <laughs> I know there's corruption and stuff, but but for the illustration purpose, let's say in a perfect world, all of the bad people wind up in prison that we build for the purpose of the other people who are willing to do it the way of the law, that we can live in peace and happiness and prosperity. All right. Now, so if a person's in jail, though, aware of where they are, they are aware of their presence. And guess what? They go to their jail cell and they look out the window. And what do they see? The whole rest of the world going about life and freedom and bliss. Right. Now, here's you see. So there's an illustration of, I think, what it's like. Here's the difference, though, between the prison analogy and, and, and hell, is that in hell, correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, there is eternal suffering. Okay. Uh, we, don't, we don't, for example, we don't torture prisoners, at least in, in Western democracies, we don't. So what of that? Is, is, is okay. that the, the fate of someone who is in hell? Let me answer that according to the Word of God. Um, Hell, remember, is the prison holding place for the great white throne of judgment. So no one will ever stay in hell in God's prison forever. That That's what the great white throne of judgment in, in Revelation 20 says, that death and hell, and that's just a, a, a Jewish way of saying that, you know, people that left the dimension of life and they are in prison gave up their souls, they were brought before the throne, and they were shown. The books were opened, and they were shown. Their name's not in the book of life. Well, how does your name get in the book of life? By According to the Bible, by receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Okay. After that, the Bible says they were thrown into the lake of fire, which 
is the final place for the Antichrist, for Satan himself, all of the demonic realm that followed after Satan, and all of those who have denied God's offer of salvation in Jesus Christ. And there it says where it is eternal torment. Now, I, I you know, people, listen, Lake of Fire, that's an image that I, is pretty horrific. Um, and people say, well, what is the torment? Is it? I, I don't know. I don't know. I, and, and I don't know that I want to know. I can only tell you what the Scripture says, and I can tell you that it is God's way of saying, you, you know, that I am in the, God says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19, the Word of God says that we now know the mystery of God's will. He is in the process of bringing everything in heaven and everything on earth together under one head, Jesus Christ. But this goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. It goes all the way back to the flood. God is giving all of creation the opportunity to have their divine nature restored, never die again, and to live in paradise like it was meant from the beginning with Adam and Eve before they succumbed to Satan. But in the end of it all, Satan, the Antichrist, the wicked, all of those who deny God's way and God's word and God's Christ will be separated. And here's the torment, eternal separation from all that is loving, all that is salvation, all that is gracious, the presence of God forever with no opportunity to ever say, okay, okay, uncle, I changed my mind. You got me, uncle. No, no, because um, up until that point, they've had every opportunity. Now, so, but hell, you ask the question, is hell a place of eternal torment. If we're using these words precisely correct, Richard, no, it is not. Is it a place of torment now? It doesn't mean torture necessarily, but it means a person who's there is in torment in their soul. Uh, because again, a prisoner that's in a prison, let's say they're there for life. Let's say they murdered somebody. They're there for life. They look out their window every day. They look out through the fences and the barbed wire and the dogs and the guards with rifles and shotguns, and they see the outside world, and they realize they will never, ever, ever again live there. They will never have access to that again, and it torments their soul. So there is at least a to- an internal and mental torment, yes. Right. So that's he- what the Bible speaks of, Richard, yes. But if one is is in this holding cell, in Hades, in hell, is there any route out, intercession of prayers from, from loved ones, uh, or is it a one-way ticket? Once you're in that holding cell, okay. you're going into the eternal lake of fire. Yes. According to Hebrews chapter 9, the scripture says, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. The scriptures in the Can, uh, in, in the canon of scriptures of Genesis to Revelation without the apocryphal books have no mention, no hint of second chances. Uh, now, again, the Roman Catholic Church uh, and, and other religious uh, or other faith systems teach uh, that there are second chances. And, of course, the Roman Catholic Church has, you know, moved in on that with the indulgences and the prayers and praying the intercessory prayers, et cetera, et cetera. But according to the Word of God, according to the red-letter words, the teachings and speaking of Jesus, according to all the letters of the Apostle Paul, according to the book of Hebrews, according to everything that Peter wrote, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, James, Jude, Peter, the writer of Hebrews, the mouth of Jesus himself, there is no second chance. Once we have denied Christ and we leave this realm, this dimension of reality, then that person is in hell, prison, waiting 
before the great white throne of judgment. And that's part of the torment, Richard, is that they know what's coming and there's nothing they can do about it. I'll tell you something you can do something about, your dog's bad behavior. Do you have a dog? Would you like to develop your dog's hidden intelligence to eliminate bad behavior and create the obedient, well-behaved pet of your dreams? Well, a woman named Adrienne Ferricelli, a professional certified dog trainer, has helped hundreds of dog owners train their dogs to be well-behaved, obedient, loving pets by bringing out this hidden intelligence inside all dogs. You can quickly eliminate any behavioral problem your dog has, no matter how badly you think it's ingrained, no matter what what kind of dog you have. The science behind this is simple. You may have heard of neuroplasticity in the human brain. This is what allows us to learn new behaviors. Well, your dog's brain has the same neuroplasticity. With the right mental stimulation that Adrian teaches, any dog's brain will become more open and receptive to learning new information. Your dog will listen to you and understand what you want it to do. And when this happens, bad behaviors simply fade away as more desirable ones appear in their place. So, if you want to check out this remarkable dog training system, just visit realbusinessbargains.com. realbusinessbargains.com. That's realbusinessbargains.com. Theoretical physicists say that there is as many as 12 hyperdimensions. Here are just 3 of them. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Pretty cool, huh? Uh, here's an extra one. Conspiracy Unlimited. Hey, how about one more? Conspiracy Unlimited. And the great thing is we have six hyperdimensions left. Conspiracy Unlimited. Five. Best-selling author Pastor Carl Gallops is here. We're talking about hell. When we talk about hell, and some people have, have described it as a state of mind and so forth, heaven and hell, a state of mind. Other people say it's in another dimension. Does it have... A physicality to it. Is there a physical location? Is it in a in a cavern, you know, at the center of the earth? Do we have any hints in scripture about yeah. its location? Yeah. Listen, that's a great question, and a lot of theologians have debated this, and there are some tremendous teachings on this, uh, but there are various teachings. Now, uh, is, okay, yes, when a person leaves this dimension, and, and I'm going to give an, an illustration of multiple dimensions of reality in a moment in a physical realm so that our, our listeners will know that this is not science fiction fairy tale stuff. There are examples of it right here in our presence every day. But let me just answer the theological question first and then I'll have a demonstration of it. But there is a physicality to it according to the Bible. It is a separation from this dimension of reality according to the Bible. Anybody that has left this dimension of reality, the one that you and I are living and talking in right now, once you have left that through what we call the veil of death, you cannot come back to this dimension of reality until the very end when you are given a glorified body and Jesus returns and sets up his kingdom on the face of the earth. This is what the Bible says. And then we will rule and reign with him. We will judge the nations. We will judge the fallen angels, etc. This is what the Bible says. But in the meantime, those that have gone to hell, to prison, waiting the great white throne of judgment, it is physical. It is real. Just And again, Jesus told the, the understanding of of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man was real. He was physical. He said, I'm thirsting. I'm in torment. I, 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 I want you to tell my brothers. I can see Lazarus. I see what's happening. So, so all of that gives us those hints. Now, the physical locality of hell. 
you know, it is not simply a state of mind, apparently. Apparently, it is a physical, dimensional reality and a place. Interestingly, interesting that you would ask this, the Old Testament often speaks of the the abode of the dead, those that are unfaithful, those that have denied God, it refers to it as in the heart of the earth. And there are several Old Testament passages that speak of being the netherworld, the underworld, being in the heart of the earth. Um, There's not a lot of theology developed on it. There's not a whole chapter or chapters or a book dedicated to the topic. There are just little snippets of that declaration in the Old Testament. So, again, that's why theologians argue about it and debate it and talk about it and come up with their own theories, uh, because we only have snippets and hints. But to answer your question, Richard, yes, there are hints. And yes, but by the time we get to the New Testament, we are told through Jesus and other writers of the New Testament that it is real, it is physical, it, 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 it involves our own physicality. It is a physical location with a complete awareness and understanding of what happens next, the great white throne of judgment. So I, I, hopefully that answers your question. But that's, but that's what the Bible says, Richard. And are there descriptions? Uh, is it – if it's deep within the bowels of the earth, let's say, obviously it would be very dark. Uh, there would be a lot of, I don't know, you know magma and, and – uh, uh, liquid molten rock and so and so forth. Do we have any descriptions? Yeah, it doesn't sound very pleasant, does it? Describing it that way, no. and if there is molten, I imagine that puts off some form of what we would call light. So I don't guess. I don't. I wouldn't guess it would be total darkness. But hey, what do I know? I'm not a geologist. <laughs> I haven't gone to hell. Praise God. Um, <laughs> you know. Now, now, you know. There are a lot of these. Life after death experiences, you can go on YouTube and watch videos of people who said, I died and went to hell. And a lot of them, you know, you never know since you and I have not experienced that. How can we measure it other than the word of God? I know what God's word says. If what they're saying lines up with God's word, then I will listen to it. That doesn't mean I believe it a thousand percent because all they have to do is know what God's word says and make up a story about their own life and then somehow get some kind of fame. So I know there are charlatans out there, but let me just get back to this point. And you've seen these videos, I'm sure, and I've seen them. And a lot of them speak of hell being a physical reality and a physical locality. And many of them speak of it being literally in the heart of the earth with a darkness, a gloominess, a weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth and and torment, mental torment and anguish, uh, uh, physical torment, uh, hideous forms of, of, of fallen creation, even creatures that are hideous. I mean, they, they say they saw these things. And some of them, when they're giving these testimonies, they're weeping talking about it. It's so emotional. I mean, it was so real. So, you know, again, people can say, well, they were on drugs. Well, they, their brain just got messed up when they were dying and they thought they saw that they were hallucinating. Well, I don't know. I don't know. There's no way to, to, to physically categorically prove whether they're telling the truth or not. All I know is, is that the Word of God lines up to some of that. It seems as though it does. And again, scholars have debated it. But um, but, but it is interesting to think about. Well, does that make sense from a scriptural standpoint in, in the sense that we may be, while we are alive, 
allowed a glimpse of hell. Listen, I think that that does make sense that some people might be, because, look, we know that Paul was allowed a glimpse of heaven. He said, I was caught up to heaven. I was caught up to the third paradise. I was caught up to the throne of God. John was caught up to the throne of God and gave us revelation. As I said, Paul, 30 years prior, he was caught up to the throne of God, and he gave us all kinds of stuff about the Antichrist, the coming deception, the coming apostasy, uh, the the blowing of the trumpet, the rapture. Uh, I mean, Paul saw all of that. He was given all of that. We know that. We know that several of the prophets had visions and 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 or were transported into some kind of uh, through a dimensional presence. Uh, Daniel was taken to the throne room of God. Isaiah was taken to the throne room of God. Ezekiel saw the throne of God. So, so can God do those things? Absolutely. I, I mean, absolutely he can. Um, God is interdimensional. God invented the dimensions. God invented quantum science, quantum mechanics, uh, quantum particles. And by the way, you know quantum science has proven that there are multiple dimensions of reality. Now, quantum science hasn't proven that there are multiple dimensions of reality with living beings in them, but they have been able to prove the absolute scientific uh, of, um, uh, reality of multiple dimensions. So, can it be that God, who created all of this, can, can tap somebody on the shoulder and show them heaven? Yes. Can it be that he taps somebody and shows them hell for a testimony, for a, for a, 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 a witness to the world of the truth of it? Surely he can. All I'm saying is I always measure anybody's dream or vision or testimony or, or transportation from one dimension to another. I, I measure it very carefully and very strictly by the revealed truth of God's word. And if it goes all outside the boundaries of God's word, I just dismiss it categorically because, you know, Satan can mess with people's minds, too. He appears as an angel of light, the Bible says. He appears as a great deceiver. So I, I measure it through the revealed truth of God's word first, and if that lines up, then I at least listen to them. And, of course, I was a cop for 11 years, so I'm, I'm watching their, you know, their body language. <laughs> I'm listening to their emotion, all of those things. And, you know, and then I say, okay, well, you know, it all lines up with the Word of God. And if that really happened to the guy, uh, wow, thank you for the little glimpse, Lord. But, you know, I'm not going to bring the guy to some conference and hold him up and give him three hours to speak and say, this guy went to hell and it's absolute truth. I, I, you know, I would have him on my radio show, let him tell his story and, and those kinds of things. But that's how I approach it, Richard. Are there, you mentioned, you know, the third level of, of paradise. Are there, I, I remember the, the, the old expression, you know, there's a special place in hell for this person or that person, <laughs> which seems to indicate maybe there, there are layers, just like there are, yeah. you know, maximum security and minimum security yes. in, in prisons. Are there layers of hell? Okay, well... You, you touched on two things. I want to clear something up first that, that I probably bum, bundled, bungled, excuse me. I did not mean to say that there were three levels of paradise. I meant to say, uh, Paul said, I was caught up to the third heaven. And then he said, I was comma, I was caught up to paradise. So that's the Jewish way of speaking of the word heavens. See, we do the same thing, Richard. If I say, Man, look at the stars and the, and, and the moon tonight. The heavens are beautiful. They declare the glory of God. All right. Then if I say, wow, 
I'm at the beach and, and, and seagulls are just flying through there. I said, man, the heavens are filled with birds this morning flying out over the ocean. Isn't that gorgeous? Or I can speak of the heavens as the dwelling place of God. Now, what have I done? I've just spoken of three heavens. I've used the same word in three different ways, the atmosphere or the universe or the actual dimension of the throne of God. So the third heaven that Paul spoke of ah. is that, that multi-dimension, the actual dimension of the throne of God. And that's what Paul said. Forgive me if I bumbled that up. But, but now when we speak of hell, are there different levels? Well, I don't know that the Bible teaches very clearly that there are different levels of, of hell holding place, prison. I know in the earthly realm, in, in the way that humans do it, there are, you know, I mean, there's the there's the 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 minimum security, the medium security, the maximum security. There's death row. There's the, the 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 I don't know what they call it. Back in my day, it was called the box, the holding cells, and especially for those that had maybe been a part of some riot or something, isolation cells. So in our earthly prisons and jails, there are different levels and <laughs> different forms of confinement. Uh, the 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 worst ones being reserved for the very worst of the worst. Those that would be likely to commit even more crimes while in prison. So I, I, I don't know. It's possible that the Lord God himself has something similar to that in the prison holding place waiting for the great white throne of judgment. But the Bible doesn't clearly teach that that I know of. But, you know, the Bible's not meant to reveal every little jot and tittle of God's mind and God's creation. It's basically meant to give us everything we need to know to make the proper decisions, first, to live for God through Jesus Christ. Secondly, once we are born again, to understand that we are now ambassadors for the kingdom, and we're held accountable with the gift of salvation God has given us. So that's my best answer to that. The short answer is the Bible doesn't have, again, chapters and books that speak about the levels of hell, the prison, um, but it's possible. I mean, God can do that if he wishes, but I just don't know of any passage that makes it very clear that that's the way it is. In in certain Christian traditions, there is, after someone passes away, there's a 40-day period that's very important, and there's a it's marked by the 40-day memorial. Uh, and during that 40 days, in some traditions, we're, we're led to believe that the the person who has passed away goes through a series of, you could call them toll houses, but there's almost a a trial, I guess, before it's determined, are they going to, which which part of Hades are they going to? Are they going to be put in the holdings? Yeah. Well, I guess if they go to the holding cell, that's it, they're done. But there is this 40-day trial period, toll houses. Is okay. is, is that foreign to, to Protestantism? Or is that simply orthodoxy? Yes. And, Yes, it is foreign to the scriptures, Genesis to Revelation, in the canon of of, of scripture. Yes, it, it there there are teachings similar to that in the apocryphal books, which is why that they um, have been rejected by and large uh, from by the the larger Christian Church for for eons, uh, because they just don't match up to to clear biblical teaching, especially as you measure it against 
the teachings out of the mouth of Jesus himself. And then again, you've got Paul and John who were taken to the throne room of God and shown uh, the, the details of, of, of the coming days, even the, the, the final judgment. And there's nothing that they were shown that matches up to that kind of teaching. Nothing that Jesus ever said that matches up to that kind of teaching. So um, so again, you, you, you spoke of it correctly. You said it's tradition. Well, what does that mean? Well, it's it's stuff that you know, people involved in the faith systems have declared and invented and, and insist upon as some kind of truth. Now, you know, if you and I leave this world tomorrow, uh, you know, die in a car wreck tonight or have a heart attack, and, you know, we discover that that's exactly how it is, I can say, wow, that's pretty cool, but it wasn't in the Bible, <laughs> you know? Right. So, again, the Bible's not meant to give us every little jot and tittle of how God operates his e- internal and eternal affairs. I can just answer you that that's a concept that is foreign to the Scriptures. If if one leads a an exemplary humanistic life, they give to charity, they do charitable works, uh, but they consider themselves to be agnostic or an atheist, uh-huh. and yet uh-huh. good neighbor and so forth. Yet uh-huh. they they deny the divinity of Christ. Uh-huh. They're they're going uh-huh. into the lake of fire. Correct. Yes, and listen. Let me tell you. Let me let, let me let me give you three or four verses very quickly that just emphatically state that. First of all, out of the mouth of Jesus Himself, John chapter fourteen, verse six, He said, "I am the way, the way to what? The way to heaven. I am the truth, the truth of what? The truth, all truth. He's God in the flesh, and I am the life. What life? Eternal life to live in the third para- the, the the third heaven paradise. Okay, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life." comma, and no man. How many is no men, Richard? No one. Nobody. Watch this. Comes unto the Father. Well, that means paradise. But through me, Jesus said. All right? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. All right. Now, Acts chapter 4, verse 12. There is no other name given under heaven among men whereby we might be saved but the name of Jesus Christ. That's pretty powerful. Go to 1 John chapter 5, verse 12. He who has the Son of God has eternal life. He who denies the Son of God has not eternal life. That's pretty clear as well. I mean, I could go on and on with these illustrations of this truth, um, and and that's what the whole gospel message is about, that it, a salvation is only through Jesus Christ. And someone says, well, I live a good life, but I'm just, I'm not going to receive Jesus as Savior. I don't need all that Jesus stuff. Let me tell you something else Jesus said in John chapter 3. We love that verse about John three sixteen, and it also says the same thing. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever was a really good person could come to heaven, right? No, it doesn't say that. It says that whosoever believed in him, and that word believe doesn't mean a head belief. It means getting on board with your life, with your soul, with your heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him should have everlasting life. But now watch this, Richard. Here's the context of that beautiful verse that so many of us have memorized, so many of us know, and we quote it or we see it. John 3.16, the context is Jesus was talking to Nicodemus the Pharisee in, in John chapter 3. 
Nicodemus came to Jesus at night after a long, busy day. Jesus finally had the crowds away from him. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, a religious leader, highly respected, teacher of the law. And he came to Jesus at night and he said, listen, we know that you must have come from God. We know you're a good man, a good teacher. And Jesus stopped him and he said, Nicodemus, no one will see the Father. No one gets to heaven. No one will have eternal life. Watch this. Unless they are born again. And then Nicodemus said, how can this be? How can a person go in the mother's womb again? And Jesus, I think, smiled and said, Nicodemus, you're a teacher of Israel, and you don't know this fact? And so what? What the thing that he was telling Nicodemus is, Nicodemus, even you, a good, righteous person doing good deeds, a teacher of the law, a religious leader, but if you're not born again, Nicodemus, even you won't make it into God's paradise. How is one born again? Only through the blood of Jesus. The New Testament says that. Jesus says that. Paul says that. John says that. Matthew, Mark, Luke, James, Peter. So there's the truth, uh, Richard. No, you, you, we must come through Jesus Christ. Why? Why is God so narrow-minded? Because only Jesus laid his life down on a cross. Only Jesus shed his blood. Only Jesus rose from the dead after three days. Only Jesus filled the dozens of prophecies of the coming one. He is God's only way. That's why Jesus said, I am the gate and no one comes but through me. I am the door. You must come through me. Does that answer your question? It does. And then some final final question. Uh, because well, you know, I'm a Baptist preacher, brother. You <laughs> asked me a question, and exactly. I've, got, I've got to give you a sermon. You did. It's wonderful. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> now, the, <laughs> the last question is, and I want to circle back to something you just said, eternal life. No one gets eternal life but through Christ. Yes. Yes. So if you reject Christ, does that yes. mean then there is there is no eternal life? suffering in the in in the lake of fire because or is it just death there is nothingness because yeah, listen that's a good legitimate question but here's the context whenever that eternal life through Christ is used the context is eternal life in paradise eternal life in the presence of God your divine nature being restored what does that mean divine we become gods no it means we'd be like Adam and Eve who never sinned they would never die they would live in paradise, in the presence of God and the angels and, and the upper family and the lower family, all that the Bible speaks of. Uh, Eden would be restored, paradise restored. So, so eternal life, the context means in the presence of God. But the, the scripture's clear. Eternal life is guaranteed to every soul that is born. Uh, but where we live that eternal life depends upon what we do with Jesus Christ. Because see, the lake of fire in Revelation 20, again, I don't know all the details of that. Again, we only know what God's Word says, and and God didn't reveal every jot and tittle to us. But he told us, then they are thrown into the lake of fire where it says, where there is eternal torment. So that means that they are always aware they're always alive. They know what they rejected and forfeited. Some people through pure evil, others by just pure rejection, pure rejection of God's love, his offer of salvation. So when we say eternal life for those in Jesus Christ, that means 
eternal life in the presence of God. But it does not mean that, oh, well, everybody else is just annihilated. No, the Bible does not teach that at all. That would be kind of an easy out, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> if that it were the case. Be, it? <laughs> yeah. Well, if there's just nothing so else, I either I can... get eternal life or I just go to sleep forever. Right. Okay. Well, I'm going to live like I want and just go to sleep forever. But, exactly. but no, but please don't buy into that, uh, audience listening, because that, that's what the Pope was accused of saying. See, there is no hell. Everybody that rejects Christ is just, uh, it just goes away. I mean, we just are, are annihilated. The problem is, Jesus never teaches that, neither neither does any place else in the Scripture teach that. Carl, how do people listen to you on Freedom Friday? Thank you. You're so kind, Richard. Uh, every Friday, I broadcast live from the Gulf Coast, and it's a, a powerful radio station. We reach four states on the Gulf Coast. All they got to do is the easiest way to get there. And, and, and this radio station is affiliated with three or four other stations. But all, all they have to do is go to my website, carlgallops.com. Right there on my picture, there will be a link that says Freedom Friday Radio. If they'll click on that, it goes to our internationally viral site. There's a listen. There's several listen live links right there. Not only can they listen live every Friday, but they if I, you know I tell people, look, listen to Richard Serrett first, okay? <laughs> if that interferes, if that interferes with listening to me, you listen to Richard live, and then to, on Saturday after the show, you can go to that website and you can listen to it right there on any digital device you have. You can download it, you can podcast it, you can embed it, you can share it, but always, always, always listen to Richard Serrett first. God bless you for that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for no, this, that's Carl. that's the truth. I mean, brother, I would listen to you first if I didn't have to be live. <laughs> I love your shows. <laughs> Thank you so much, friend. Thank you. Before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'm going to tell you what's coming up on episode 54. Before that, I want to tell you about something I've found and really believe in. Life Extensions Mega Green Tea Extract. It provides powerful antioxidant effects throughout the body. Green tea contains health-promoting polyphenols, including a powerful antioxidant, which has been the subject of extensive scientific research. Why don't you pour on these multiple health benefits? Green tea is a powerful antioxidant. It supports cell membrane integrity, boosts liver detoxification, enhances immune function, and helps maintain healthy blood cholesterol, LDL and triglyceride levels, and much more. Life Extension's Mega Green Tea Extract is decaffeinated, yet it contains more polyphenols in one capsule than seven cups of green tea. The Chinese have used green tea for therapeutic purposes since 2000 B.C., more recently, volumes of published scientific findings attest to its multiple health benefits. One capsule a day of Mega Green Tea Extract is all you need. Give your body what it needs. Order right now from Life Extension and save 25%. Just go to smartclickidea.com. Smartclickidea.com. That's smartclickidea.com. Coming up on episode 54, one of my fine colleagues from Coast to Coast AM, webmaster Greg Bishop, will be here. Not only does Greg do great work on coast, he's also one heck of a good writer, mostly in the ufology arena. So Greg will be here to give me his take on the UFO ET phenomenon, the state of ufology, disclosure, unidentified submersible objects, and much more. Until next time, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind.
That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting.